Hi, I'm Jade Madison Scott, the writer, creator, and producer of Small Victories. And today is an absolutely fantastic day because we have our last crew member in the building, Bill, <laughs> building. Who's that? Could it be? Yes, it's Jade Madison Scott. Woo, hi. <laughs> so Jade, before we get started with the whole interview thing, can you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, who are you? Like what makes you tick? You know, how are you as a person? Um, sure, who am I? Well, I'm you, so yeah. Okay, uh, who else? Oh, uh, who else? Uh, well, um, I'm a friend. I'm a lover of baseball. I'm a daughter. I'm an artist. I'm a, I'm a person who's committed to love and growth and change. That's, uh, that's me. A person committed to growth and change. That's really nice. Thanks. Uh, all right, so I'm going to hop into these questions. Sure, go ahead. Right, so you actually, uh, actually, no, I'm not. I forgot a question, whoops. Um, uh, so, uh, sorry, what exactly do you do on slash for the show? So I am the writer, which means I write all the scripts while getting great notes from Nathan and Virginia. And I'm the producer, which means that I coordinate between all of our team's moving parts to create a cohesive focus and vision. So I'm listening to episodes and signing off on script cuts and paying everyone on time and fundraising and working with Brit to develop a marketing plan and working with Will to get the show out there and all that. And also I am the creator, which means I created the show. So yeah. Okay, uh, now we can move on to the big questions. <laughs> Great shoot. Yeah, so like you said, you created the show. We created the show. Nah, don't do that. We don't need to. So you created the show back in 2018? Why are you? It was 2019. Right, sorry, 2019, 2019. So you created the show back in 2019. So could you just tell me and the audience, because I'm genuinely curious, uh, how did Small Victories come to be? Like, what inspired it? And yeah, what inspired it? And how has it changed over time? Uh, okay, so I've told this story over on the WGC Productions Patreon in the Small Victories bonus series, but, okay, so in my sophomore year at Howard- H, you? You know, yeah. Uh, okay, so my advisor and professor, Professor Harris, recommended that I take, uh, this creative writing course since I am a writer, and at that time, I wanted to write more. Uh, she recommended this course with Professor Patricia Elam, who is one of the coolest people uh, in the world. She was a lawyer, quit her job, sailed around the world, wrote some books, and became a professor. Cool lady, great fashion style, fantastic boots. So in her class, which I ended up taking for two semesters, I wrote this story called That Good Night, and the assignment was to write a 20-page fiction story. And so the story was about this half-white, half-Indian college student at Columbia in November of 1953. He, the protagonist, was an unnamed man, uh, but he was feeling really alienated, and he was super into this Welsh poet, uh, Welsh poet Dylan Thomas, because at the time I was super into Dylan Thomas. Anyway, he meets this guy who gets mugged in Central Park, and that guy's name is Oliver, and the main character is besotted with Oliver, but he's like really repressed and closeted because it's the 50s, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, on... Uh, anyway, one of the side characters in that story is named Tiny. She was, at the time, Oliver's very uh, store, you know, like, stoic friend who was a uh, Puerto Rican Jew from Cincinnati, and I don't know, um, something about that character felt really fun to me. Uh, I don't, I really don't know why, but it, you know, it's like I was feeling, a, I was feeling a connection with, like, the character that she was, and so I wrote more, I tried to adapt the short story into a, um, a audio drama based around like that main character and then that didn't really work and so I just sort of focused on Tiny and then you know I wrote more and then all of a sudden Tiny became Marisol and then you know that Marisol was more or less the Marisol that we 
know today. So yeah, you asked what changed, and I mean, kind of everything changed, I guess. <laughs> huh? That's interesting. You I, s- uh, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I, I try like a joke because you said it was interesting. Um, what were you? Right, very, very funny. No, it wasn't. But thank you. So, what were you? Uh, yes, I was gonna ask. So, how would you describe season two in five words? In five words? In five words. Um, okay, so season two and five words would be, do, do they all have to make sense, like a sentence, or? Uh, no, no, they can just be any, like, they can just be a random, fi- well, not random, but. No, 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 I got it, I got it. Uh, I guess, oh, okay, so season two and five words would be, it's, uh, it's a lot, not, no, really, that's season two and five words. It's a lot, no, really? Yeah, season two is a lot, no, really. That's saying something, considering season one wasn't exactly a uh, walk in the park. (laughs) What? Uh, It's just, that's one of the things a character says in season two, and it's funny because we, it's funny because now we're talking like... Uh, Got it, yep. Oh, uh, okay. So that sort of transitioned into my next question. So I have read season two. Yeah, I'm sure you have. (laughs) Please. Anyway, I've read season two, and I'm pretty familiar with season one, and I... So I can say pretty confidently that even though season two builds on the character arcs set in the freshman season, as well as maintaining continuity, season two sometimes feels like it's expanding away from the first season while, stay, while still trying to stay grounded in season one. So can you sort of like go into what your intentions were for season two and how this came to be? That's a good question. Thank you. Uh, so what were my intentions for season two? And then kind of, uh, why do you, uh, no, uh, and then like, do you want me to talk about how they're different, or would that be... I mean, I don't want to really spoil anything. So. It's fine. If you say too much, I'll edit it out. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. So, my intentions for season two... I mean, it's kind of interesting that you uh, think it's expanding away. So, I wrote 181 drafts for season one. Jeez Louise. Yeah, I... Yeah, you know... Anyway. So, I because I wrote so much, I feel like everything I could know about the spirit of the show is something I've already written about and begun to explore. Uh, and now the vehicle for that exploration may look different in season two. Like, okay, so there's a new character, right? The stranger, which is, I mean, everyone has a different interpretation of who they are. And I believe in death and the author. So the stranger is the stranger. It's up for interpretation, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I didn't initially know that that character was going to be in the show. But when I wrote episode uh, 001, the interlude, commissioned by, by the audio, audio fiction streaming app Apollo, go subscribe. I ended up writing the character, but the things they're saying... I ended up writing in the character. So, like, I created the character. That character didn't exist before that. And now, like, it's a part of season two. But the things that I was, that they were saying and the things that would have been, but the things the stranger said, but the things that the stranger says are things that would have been said by somebody else anyway because they are um, spiritually, intellectually, and thematically important, extremely important to the show. And their presence in the show is non-negotiable. So even if it wasn't, through the vehicle of the stranger, the role of the stranger, and the the position that the stranger would hold would be filled by another character, um, another characters, and they would be, and it would exist in different situations, but, like, the core of it would still be there in some form or facet, because, like, the core of the show was um, melded down and hammered out in the 181 drafts I wrote for season one. Uh, I don't think I answered your question. Did that make any sense? It did make sense, but yeah, you didn't answer the question. <laughs> Fair. Um, I guess my intentions were really to make an interesting show that went where I wanted to go without being like a total 180. Like season one takes place over four days, five days, 
four days. Then season two takes place over the span of months, and the episodes are longer, and it's exploring the form more, and it's being more experimental and surreal. And so, like, I'm just, you know, pulling from different influences this season. That's interesting. Uh, what are your influences for this season? So, our influences for this season are... I'm gonna say Natasha Lyonne's Russian Doll. Okay, yeah. Um, a certain Tony Kushner play. A Bright Room Called Day. Shut up, you know I mean Angels in America. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, when I was writing season one, and this goes back to my last point on how everything... Uh, I want to explore sort of already was written. But when I was writing season one, I was reading a lot of Jewish philosophy. And so I think a lot of that seeped into the show. And I sort of leaned in it, leaned into it more in season two than season one because I was less aware of it in season one. But like during the hiatus when I was rereading season one, I was like, oh, snap, this uh, this came through uh, in a way that I didn't know. So I, you know, just if it came through, I just wanted to go and run with it. So um so yeah, I think that's there, but I am not Jewish, I'm Christian, so you can take that with its own grain of salt. Um, also, I'm hugely, <laughs> also, I'm just hugely influenced by black American theater um, and black American theatrical traditions, so uh, that just sort of pops up in all my work as a default. So uh, yeah, those are my, uh, my season two influences this season. Okay, uh, could you just sort of e- expand on that last point? Sure, so like, Fundamentally, um, I don't believe in the separation of audience and performer. Uh, The artificial separation that exists between them and performance forms descended from and heavily influenced by European theater, it's just not my jam. I mean, we all know that it's pretend and, like, we paid tickets to be here. I don't know why, you know, like, lean into that. It's fun. It's weird. I I love it. It's great. Um, But that, like, that is less of a black American theater thing and more of a West African diaspora theater thing, so... Uh, there's that. Um, one of my favorite plays is Blacks by Aziza Barnes, and that is really because they managed to, one, write a really funny play, and two, they feature a lot of close relationships between black queer women, and there aren't a lot of plays about queer women, let alone black queer women, so that was a real influence. Um, also, Barnes has this cool way of mixing like vulgarity and heartfeltness, and uh, you know, I think that's just something I really wanted to access this season. It was something I was accessing back in season one too, because I mean, this is just not how I talk. How I talk, so like, I was like really, really pulling from different spaces for that. Um, also, there was Adrian Kennedy's Funny House of a Negro, which is a uh, mid-century, twentieth-century play about a uh, half-white, half-black woman who is actively going through the process of total mental collapse. And that one leans really heavily into surrealism and, ex- and existentialism, like as a uh, sort of exploration of a, a shattered and like fractured and you know like just a, a split self. And it also it also delves into the relationship exploring you know systemic racism in America and the sort of fragile and um, fractured mental state of Black women in America. But I mostly drew on like the surrealism and existentialism as a tool for ex- uh, self exploration, um, you know, like kind of like literally what's going on right here when we're like like with you and me like doing this interview. Like it's really more like on the more for, more extent for, more for more for, for pause more. pause. You know we don't speak pick Latin. What are you trying to say? What are we? What are you doing right Man, now? Man, stop calling us us or stop calling you me. Why? Because you're messing with the veil. You're messing with the interview format. It's hard enough for them to tell our voices apart. There is no apart in our voices. Not with that attitude. Where's all this coming from? Hey, I ask the questions here. So technically, that means I also ask the questions here. No, that unless you think asking questions is bad. No, it's good to ask good questions. Okay, and am I asking bad questions? 
No. Then in a way, aren't you trying to stop me from doing good? If asking good questions is good and the questions I'm asking aren't bad, which would make them good, which would mean that I am doing good by even bringing them up. Of course, that's only if we're assuming that this good, bad binary you've cooked up is even legit. You're rambling. I'm making a point. By rambling? Yes, I'm a writer. I get paid to ramble. You're not getting paid. Okay, now you're just being mean. What's happening, man? I mean, we love breaking form. You remember you remember the season one finale when, like, the host broke out of his space and he talked to Marisol and how the people love that? I mean, we love that kind of thing. And, and breaking form and, like, being kind of surreal and experimental is all season two even is. You know, it's us twisting and turning and breaking and rotating all the conventions we set up in season one. You loved it when we were writing it. I know, but... I don't know. It's just sort of weird, you know, doing something new. New-ish. We haven't gone full Mary Shelley here, man. And, and besides, right, like, there would be no point in doing anything creative if we always knew what we were going to get or if we didn't take any, you know, risks, even if they are relatively minor risks. It's not like we've, you know, like, thrown in a new, like, thrown in, like, a whole new main character or anything. But there's no point in doing anything creative if you always know exactly what you're going to get. I mean, that's not creativity. That's... That's something else, and we're not in that kind of business, you know? Yeah. All right. You feeling okay? I'm feeling okay. Okay. <laughs> you know we're going to have an offline conversation about this later. <laughs> you know, I think they call it journaling these days. <laughs> hey, was that a joke? I can be funny, you know. I know you can be funny because... And don't say it's because you know I can be funny because you're funny because that's not funny at all, Jenny. I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say because Small Victory Season 2 is funny. It's a lot, but it's super funny, which is a kudos to you. Oh, thanks. Uh, okay, we've uh, been really off topic, so I'm going to bring it back. Um, so we're winding down to our last two questions. So, Jade, yeah. which episode are you most looking forward to in season two? Okay, so, Jade Madison, I think that it is a toss-up between episode five and episode nine because I think those are the two strongest win episodes. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to choose those. Uh, yeah, each time I read one of them, they become my favorite all over again. So, like, I really, I genuinely can't choose between those two. All right, episode five or episode nine. So, look out for those, everybody. Yeah, keep your ears peeled. And last question, how are you going to celebrate the Small Victory Season 2 premiere on August 3rd? August 3rd? August 3rd! Well, fun fact about me, which we both know, I don't listen to the show on the day it comes out. Uh, don't like it, especially since I sign off on Nathan's edits for each episode, so I'm listening to those episodes obsessively for months, looking for the smallest imperfections so that we can put out the strongest episode possible. So when it's released on August 3rd, I will either be at A, my job, or my other job, and then, or B, I will be in downtown Tampa looking at dolphins in the river, eating a sandwich, and or drinking a smoothie, soaking in some sunshine, and then I'll go home, take a warm nap, maybe go out to that like Indian restaurant I always like, but like always has a super long line, you know, really treat myself. Then I'll live tweet the episode on Twitter, like on August 4th, um, and then I'll read the reviews for it, and then I will continue to work on the show. Uh, so yeah, that's how I'm going to celebrate on August 3rd, is I am, I'm going to take, I'm going to relax a little bit. I'm going to relax just a tinge. Uh, yeah, that'll be that. <laughs>